I've heard of you guys. I guess that's what I'm saying. So I, I knew that you had some an interesting niche. But to, to answer your question, I haven't really like done a bunch of investigating. I just um, I just know you guys do a good job. Just kind of picked up on that. So oh, well, thank you. It's not a test. Yeah. It's not like um, the first <laughs> test you have to pass for the rest of the. Can you recite the email that we sent to you in the, the top note? So no, no. we sent <laughs> you... some. Go on, no, sorry. no, no. No, you got me through LinkedIn. That's what it was. I like I I've had LinkedIn for like ten fucking years and I've never used it. And and finally I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna like create a profile here. You know, and so I did, and then all of a sudden you was like, Oh, I got this this thing. I'm like, holy shit, this is you know, this must be a sign. Um, <laughs> <I didn't> been... <laughs> so so I haven't been back to LinkedIn since. I don't really know what the fuck it does. Like, I don't know. I get offered I do get job offers to like sell cell phones in my city through LinkedIn, which is oh, really well, flattering. You know that there's always there's always a backup option if the fitness thing there's always happens. a backup, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And I have considered it sometimes, like because it's, these things are so damn expensive. I'm like, you know, if I can get a deal on an iPhone, you know, I might just do this. <laughs> Especially new iPhones. Like every year when a new one comes out and it's like five grand for the handset and all that sort of stuff. Have you it's, sold have you sold them before or is it just opportunistic people on, <laughs> on LinkedIn? I've never sold a fucking phone in my life. That would be a great trailer for the podcast, just that sentence. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I think I put in my skills. I don't know what the fuck I put. I, think, I thought like online coach or, or fitness and coach. And now I'm getting opportunities to sell cell phones. So, hey, man, that's, that's sweet. LinkedIn needs to do a bit more yeah. keyword research, don't they? Their algorithm's not quite found its, uh, its course yet. I think every, everyone on LinkedIn who's not like best-selling author, entrepreneur, yeah. TED speaker, they just assume is failing. And so get my cell phones. That's basically how it works. Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. Welcome back to the Propane Business Podcast. I have got a tiger on my face because of this time of day and the blinds are making me look like this. A great, great start to the podcast. But today we are with the OG, Brian Cron. And uh, if you've been in the fitness world for some time, especially if you were um, back in the golden age reading teenage articles, then you will know oh, about yeah. Brian Cron. Um, he is a PT fitness writer. And the, the way that he's described himself is a... Um, semi-serious physique athlete. So basically, I think similar to us in some way of like someone who trains up to the brink, up to the edge of competing in bodybuilding, but actually not not one, not yeah. kind of taken any further because of the massive massive costs associated with, with doing that. I think. Um, so what I think Brian does really well is that he is living proof that fitness is not just a young man's game, um, which is one of the big common misconceptions within online fitness especially with the kind of instagram age um and he's just a fantastic writer to boot i find that he's really good at condensing uh, complex subjects into very 
um, digestible uh, ways to, to consume. So Brian, thanks very much for coming on. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are um, <laughs> for people who, who haven't been part of this T-Nation golden age? Oh, gosh. Um, who am I? Well, I'm mid-40s. How old am I now? 40s, 47. I had, to, I had to think about that. You don't look a day um, over 21. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's, it's all the Botox. Um, but no, it's. Uh, I just started out many years ago in, in my late teens, just working in gyms as while well, I was going to university. Uh, just, I loved fitness. I loved bodybuilding and I wanted to be a part of it. But of course, back then I was just mopping floors and, you know, checking people's memberships, that kind of thing. Um, but when I graduated from school, I had degrees in, in English and psychology. I wanted to stay in fitness and I wanted to, you know, get more into personal training, which I did and, and build that up. And this is pre-internet. So we're talking like 1997, 98. Um, and just, I was living that lifestyle of, you know, I've got the, my client files and, and, you know, in envelopes and carrying a clipboard and, and, you know, going from gym to gym to gym and like not building a future by any stretch and just eventually just kind of tumbled into you know, the online space. Now, like I got into it more on the writing side and you mentioned T Nation and I was fortunate enough just to have a job with him just as an assistant editor, like not as a you know, not as a main guy by any stretch. I just basically, I cleaned up articles and, um, you know, and wrote a few on my own, but that kind of gave me, um, made me a lot better as a writer for one thing, because you, you clean up other people's shitty work. You get very good at it. Um, but it also kind of gave me a, a, a neat perspective on just the industry at large. And, um, and that whole time I was still training people and still training myself. I was very serious. I, and designs on being, an, you know, I wanted to be a bodybuilder by the time I was 30 and compete till I was 35 and all these plans. Um, but as I've learned, as I've gotten older, like life happens and your plans adjust or else, or else you adjust. And, um, and yeah, I just kind of just taking each chapter as it comes. And now I'm in this position of, I don't know what I would call it, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm an online coach now. <laughs> So it's everything you do right now in the fitness industry is 100% online. Yeah, and you know, interesting that you say that. I've, um, it has been for, for years now, ever since um, I was kind of a hybrid. I was When I was working with Teen Nation especially, I was still training people on the side. I still would do kind of odd fitness jobs for money, like freelance editing, just, just whatever, and, but still always had clients. But my wife, who's in medical, she wanted to specialize about eight years ago. So we moved to the U S for her to go to school and I couldn't have a, I couldn't train people anymore. I was, I no longer, you know, that would be illegal. I get shot or thrown out of the country, something like that. Um, but so that's when all of a sudden I needed to make money. And the only way I could do it was strictly online. So that was kind of like the, the, the fork in my ass to really go deeper into online coaching. And I, I quickly saw that how lucrative it could be and also how terrible it can be. Um, and I don't know, I slowly kind of worked out the bugs and created my own system that is still improving, but, you know, certainly takes advantages of what online affords you to do while trying to minimizing the disadvantages. So well, like, having, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, well, it, it sounded like the, uh, 
the location and the move forced your hand then and you were like, totally. right, I'm going to have to go fully online. Yeah, totally. I'm glad you said that. That was exactly it. Because even when I was doing it kind of in the hybrid model, I would always be like, I just always saw in-person training as that's the gold standard. Like that's the craft. Okay. And everything else is like a lower cost kind of watered down version of that. And you know, someone can't afford to train with me three, four days a week in the gym. Okay, well, here's this online model. Um, and I had that. It held me back in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I'm glad I felt that way because like even today, I'm, I'm, I'm really busy online legitimately, but I'm trying to find ways to train people in my house because I just think that that is the foundation of what we do, or at least what I do. And even if I get, get like five, five client hours a week doing that, it just, it just, I don't know, it greases a groove that I think is just so essential to the, to the online coaching process. Um, totally agree. We, we have, we are 99% online, yes, but yes. whenever we do in-person meetups or something, there is so much in there that you can just, that you're trying to explain online stuff. And you're like, can I just like get in the gym with you just for an hour? We'll just sort this out and then you'll be fine for the next year. But I think there's mm. something to be said for that. And you've, um, I suppose now people are faced with the same hand being forced, but through COVID and through, uh, through all of this going on with, um, they now we've had many gym owners that are now being forced to suddenly step into an online space. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time that they're, they're struggling with not only the technical aspect, but the fact that some of these skills as a PT don't map directly mm-hmm. onto working with someone online. Can you talk to us about the kind of experience that you've had from moving hybrid and online and what the different challenges that you face are um, when you're working with people? Well, when you're working with people like just you know, in their face, like three, the three, four times a week in the gym model, I mean, yeah, you, if you're good and if you're really conscientious and the client is conscientious, you also sort of cover diet. Like maybe they keep a food log, um, you know, maybe whatever. After the session, you, you talk about lifestyle or stuff like that. You get to know them. Um, but it's the focus is always, at least it was for me, the focus was always on what you did in that hour, like the, like the programming you put together and you putting them through it. And if you're good, you're progressing it, you're changing it, you're tweaking it. That's like the lion's share of your focus. And then after the session, you're like, oh yeah, so what do you got? What are you planning to have for lunch today? Oh yeah, you're going to bring me your food log at the end of the week? That kind of thing. Um, but then you go online and you obviously still put the effort into the programming, but there's like, it's just not quite there. Like there's not the, you know, A, there's so much more space for you to see the person as a whole. And I think it's kind of, it's provided by the fact that you're not, you don't get the same attention to them physically. You're not seeing them. So you kind of make up for it with looking into other aspects of their lives. And it kind of really lit a fire in me because I figured out, especially with older clients that like 90% of the stuff that I tweak and optimize and fix relates to lifestyle you know and it's just when i when i could fix that especially if i could catch it early and work with them it just makes the program that i put together so much better like i don't have to fix shit down the line <laughs> so um and it, i find the older the client is to a point like the more lifestyle is just everything like especially stuff like stress and overwhelm and trying to do too much and lack of sleep and then you throw like I, you know i got a young kid like you throw kids into the mix 
changes everything. Just the way people think, you know, the way their priorities are and stuff that would be like, you know, they'd be stuff that for a younger person, they would be texting you like, Oh my God, I ate this. <laughs> when also when they got a kid or two, they're like, they just don't give a shit. They just go on with their day because they got, they got bigger fish to fry, but th- those things still matter. You know? Um, yeah. It's a really good point. And you, you mentioned having kids as well, where you know that, yeah. um, you are intimately aware of the problems that your niche are facing. And I think this is so important to understand your niche and also that, yes, like you've got what's going on during that confined window of the training session. But if the lifestyle is just applying the brakes to their progress in every other aspect of their life, then it makes sense to look at someone holistically and say, right, what can, what brakes can we take off? How can we make this, this ship move faster? And I think this is partly why people are, why younger trainers just don't um, don't work very well with with niches that they think, oh, well, I'm going to go for the over 40s market because it's more lucrative. And you're like, well, what does a 25-year-old guy with no, um, c- no commitments and no dependence yeah. have to offer to this market? I think um, it's just a huge mistake. We were talking about this the other week that people really need to go for a niche that they understand and the problems that they've actually experienced yeah. themselves rather than trying to just preempt it because they're just going to miss the mark. Oh, it's, it's just huge. And, and like, let me be frank. There are 25 year olds who are way more educated than me. And they, they're probably fantastic bodybuilders and they're probably great coaches. And they're probably, you know, could put a client, even an older client through a workout and be like, all right, we'll fix this. We'll correct that. You know, you know, push your knees out here, like all those, those tweaks. But, and, and again, this was me. I thought, even as I got older, I thought I understood <laughs> what it's like to be older. And I know that, that sounds silly, but it really, it's not until you're in the mix and you have all these kind of, dare I say, existential challenges, whether it's kids or aging parents or just, just different ways you look at life. It, it just changes the way you see the entire process. You see things, you use the word holistically. And that's a great word. Like you see how everything is connected you see that you can't always be pushing and, or, or even you can't always be pushing everything, you know? And it's just, it, it was so humbling for me to a have my ass handed to me personally, like personally, when I had a kid, I thought I was going to like be that dad who, Oh, my kid's born at 9am. All right. I'll go, I'll go squat at three and uh, then I'll come back and be super dad. Like, fuck, I think I was a mess for about three months after just this huge life change. And, and it was, wasn't so much that I was weak. I just didn't know what I was getting into <laughs> like, until, until I did get into it. And so I do think a, a younger trainer, I'm not, I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, you're too young to do this because that's bullshit. But it's like you have to really – the only people who say age is just a number, I find, are people who aren't that age. Uh, like. <laughs> because it's true man like it's just life changes and your priorities change and you know you could you could pretend it doesn't but they're changed for your client and if they feel that you're not like vibing with them and you're not appreciating the you know the little horror stories that they have every day like whatever my kid whatever (laughs) my kid shit all over his car seat that's why i'm late (laughs) like it's like that kind of thing um just if if they feel you're not respecting that or acknowledging that they'll just kind of they just won't buy in as much. 
Yeah, I think the marketing lesson there is just to do your market research and understand your niche. And, you know, I I never trust when you have like a male trainer who's like, oh, I specialize in postnatal um, stuff or or I specialize in helping women around their menstrual cycle. It's like, well, you're kind of going uphill with that to try and convince hordes of women that you are the expert in this. Exactly. I mean, yeah. When you're talking like like the like height, like medicine, like OBGYN or something, of course. I mean, the gender doesn't matter as much. But well, even when I say that, I, I know women who prefer a, a female OBGYN. For the, you know, it's Absolutely. just like you know, like, and then when you water it way down to like training and what we do, like holy shit! Like I think that's kind of uh, yeah, that's a tough sell <laughs> to say that you know. I I I simply don't go there when you know I deal with a lot of guys who are like having hormonal changes and stuff and certainly it's much much more dramatic for women and you know late 40s and menopause and i think i understand it but i certainly don't understand it (laughs) you know i you know i i think i get it but i don't understand it or maybe i have that reversed so i would never go there and, and try to tell them you know how to manage their their monthly cycle like it's just it's silly it's just it's just a sign of 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 just immense hubris of, you know, having knowledge, but not really having experience. This, this sort of thing, I think, is more... Well, firstly, I think offline people have fewer options of who they can work with because it's just whoever's yeah. in the gym, right? Like, that's the market. You have to pick from that. And then people move online and they start to move into these like, niches that they think that's where the money is. But it seems like... I think we've certainly experienced this, and I think you're saying the same thing, that online, because you're not the only part of the day that really you... That someone is doing that's critical to their progress that you can't always see into is what's actually happening in the session, right? Unless someone's mm-hmm. filming their training. So you yeah. become more of a consultant about, well, let's talk yeah. about what's happening the, the 23 other hours that like is when all this stuff really fill, really fill, fills in. So how is the yeah. fact that you, you're a new dad or a new parent affecting your sleep? Yeah. And let's talk about that. So you almost become this kind of consult, fitness consultant, nutritional mm-hmm. consultant, lifestyle consultant for that person. But that, I think we talk a lot to people about how they are almost two separate skills. But mm-hmm. when a lot of coaches who have kind of all this knowledge built up from all the, all the T-Nation reading they've been doing, it's when they get to really apply it with people for the first yeah. time. Because mm-hmm. you can suddenly, it's like, I'm not just looking at squat technique. I'm fixing a sleep problem or I'm trying, I'm talking to someone about mm-hmm. like habits and behavior and things like that. Well, yeah. And it's, it's, that, it's that classic joke of, um, you know, you learn all this stuff and you, and you, you know, you become just, you know, fantastic at coaching technique and, and, and you become adept at program design. And when do I unload, deload this person? And when do I push? And then, and then finally you get this, this dream client of this, you know, this 40 or 50 something guy who's, you know, has lots of money and he's serious. And the first thing you notice is like, his lifestyle is a disaster. It's like, it's like, fuck dude, we got, you have to stop drinking. You have to stop drinking so much, you know, like let's start with, you know, it's, you know, I'm making fun a bit, but it's that like these huge lifestyle impediments that you got to like address first or all the like, you know, Oh, should I apply five second eccentrics this phase? Like all that shit just doesn't matter. I mean, you can pretend it matters and feel good about yourself, but you're just, you know, like some of the stuff I see and and I, th- I think that's the other thing when you get a little bit older, like especially guys will be a little bit more apt <laughs> to share their, <laughs> share the stuff that they're doing that they don't tell anybody else. Um, you know, cause everyone compensates for stress in some ways. Some people just do it in a lot, a lot uh, less healthy ways. And, um, you know, again, I'm not making light, but these are the kind of things that 
make a huge difference. A huge yeah. difference. That's, that's a really important point. Like everyone <laughs> yeah. has their coping strategies and their ways to deal with <laughs> tension, but we may as well pick one that's going to be more productive than one that's not. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. um, I've got no... Uh, no shame admitting that like one of my crutches is training, but I'd rather yeah. it was that than heroin. Like I feel like if there's a choice yeah. between the two, you may as well go for the better yeah. one. So, and, you know, and that, and yeah, but younger people, a lot of them will say that they're like, yeah, man, my, my, I, I deal with stress with training. You know, I deal with stress with exercise, all these really positive, all these physical things that are really positive and that's great, but you, that's not your client. You know what I mean? And most people, that's why they hired you because, they need you. They're they're not you, and you know, especially people who've gone to really high stress jobs. They, for everyone that gets it out of their system in a boxing class, there's one who you know, you know, bangs down a few shots or something else. Or, you know, yeah. Well, we were speaking to um, John Romaniello uh, last week. Um, oh, yeah. Similar similar kind of thing with if someone someone sees things from like someone is a personal trainer, they are full time, their life is fitness, and they assume mm-hmm. that their clients are equally motivated and interested and everything else and so they're writing articles about leucine pulsing and and you're thinking (laughs) like (laughs) this is stuff that like only other personal trainers are interested in and it's you know i think it's important for people to like we always recommend people just sit down with a couple of their most representative clients take them for coffee and just be like right no agenda here i just want to i just want to learn about you i just want to learn what drives Mm. you what motivates you what are you afraid of um, what are you moving towards in your life? Like what are your main challenges and getting that insight is so much better than just trying to like bust out articles that only other personal trainers care about. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is just huge. And, and, and often I, I see this a lot in younger trainers too. They'll, you know, they'll try to impart all this wisdom or no, no, all this knowledge that they have onto their client and, you know, kind of, I guess to kind of show, maybe show off or say, Oh, look, you know, you've hired me and I know all this stuff. And end of the day, man, like I, I have plenty of doctors and surgeons and people who are way smarter, more educated than me. They don't give a shit what I know. They, 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 in their field, they know so much more than me and they're not trying to bamboozle me with their knowledge. They just, they're hiring me to get a result. You know what I mean? And they trust me that I know my shit. So I don't have to remind them of that. They're already paying me, you know? And so, I mean, it's kind of like, if so you went, you, go ahead. Uh, sorry, you finish. Oh no! I was just like saying, if you if you you know, I, I tore my Achilles, and so I'm sitting here in a stupid boot. Um, and if you know, when I went to see my surgeon, he probably said ten words to me. He didn't give me like this big razzle dazzle about wow, you know, they are, you know, you know, he, he gave me some cursory stuff about what went on, and and then basically threw me out, you know, because he's he's the pro, man. Like he doesn't have to like give me a song and dance about all the shit that he knows about the Achilles tendon. So it's actually worse if they do that as well. I think like I'd far <laughs> rather said nothing, fix yeah. the problem back home. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So exactly. you, you've, you've actually, you're sat with a boot on now. Is that what you're saying? Oh fuck for the last six weeks. So, so it's, yeah, I mean, this has been terrible. This has been, this is yeah. adversity, you know, like, so I got another four months of this and, uh, and uh, it's funny. Somebody, somebody emailed me. They're like, you know, you should really write about dealing with adversity, you know, cause you got this thing you tore and, and I was like, fucker, I'm, I don't know. I'm still dealing with this adversity. What am I going to say? I'm still figuring it out. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, that, that blog will be a long ways off. It's been, it's been awful. But, you know, 
awful in the grand scheme of things. It's not, it's minor, but just, you know, I can't, I can't train normally. You know, I can't do what I do normally. Yeah. And one of our closest friends well. is just, you guys, sorry. <laughs> this is the problem with zoom. I think we need, we need a solution to this. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, it's bad timing as well. Our, our, our friend is, I think Johnny was going to say is, is just torn as Achilles in probably the mm. same time as you, maybe even the same day. We, were you together maybe? Probably. Um, and, <laughs> and it sounds like the, um, there's the worst timing is like just when lockdown is being lifted, just when you're able to go back to the gym and stuff. And then it's like, Oh great. Like he was like, if this was at the start of lockdown, I would have been absolutely yeah. fine. Cause then I'm yeah. just under house arrest anyway. But yep. to happen at this point, is just so annoying. Oh, and I, and uh, yeah, I'm sure you know, Tony Gentlecore. Yeah, he's a re- really good coach. He exactly he tore his Achilles. <laughs> it's like so, and and, and another guy, uh, an older trainer, fantastic coach, uh, Sean Phillips. He he tweeted at me. He's like, "Oh, I tore mine." <laughs> so it's like, oh my god, like I know it's kind of um, anyway. But which is one of the nice things about the internet because there's some actually legit support that you can get that you didn't know was out there. It's not just hate. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, it is amazing when it you just realize like how, how we take all these things for granted and granted, like tearing your Achilles, it's not like you had a heart attack or you, whatever. It's, it's certainly not cancer. It's very minor in the grand scheme, but it's enough to just throw you out of your rhythm and make you, I don't know, make you miss walking. <laughs> yeah. Takes away like the basic things that you used to do daily that now are yeah. a huge, make them a huge effort. Like we've helped yeah. Chris, our friend, like seeing him just go to get something from the kitchen is now like a huge ordeal when previously it took five seconds so yeah completely yeah yep. so has, has your market changed over the like the people you've worked with over the years has it always kind of followed you in terms of like what the average age was and all that sort of stuff because you've been doing this for a while so i assume you're not always with exactly the same type of yeah. person well it's you know I, i've always believed like that you that you write about what you know okay and so i probably started writing fitnessy stuff you know, when I was about 24, 25. So I, for then I would write about what I thought I knew about bodybuilding and training. And it was always geared towards people like me, who, you know, young guys want to get bigger, want to get whatever. Um, and then I guess as I've gotten older and, and my priorities have changed and my outlook has changed, I've written more or, or wrote more towards that perspective. Um, and I guess, you know, certainly it's gotten a lot more traction. I think what, for whatever reason, um, so has my market changed? I just think I'm, I think I'm settling into where I'm supposed to be finally. Um, if, or whatever I'm, or at least I'm accepting it. Cause even when I was in my mid twenties and had dreams of being a really good bodybuilder, I think I kind of knew in the back of my mind that at best that would be a hobby, you know, cause I, that I would never be great or even good, you know, but, and eventually I would kind of like do something more professional. And I, and I kind of think this is more, what that was. And, is there uh, anything different to what you would rec- what you would say to that twenty five year old, twenty year old Brian Cran? Uh, uh, yeah, that's a yeah. The, I would definitely, you know, I would definitely learn everything I know about my target demo. So, and again, that's where I feel I've gotten a lot better when I when I when I really tried to learn everything about my target demographic, and I did that about yeah, five or 10 years ago, that's like people in their forties, what makes them different? And 
that's why I kind of get so annoyed with a lot of the over 40 training. Like they make it sound like there's this magic physiology. It's like there's some big life change that happens at 39. It's bullshit. It's absurd. Like they're like, they're, they're gradual changes, of course, but no two people are alike, you know, and somebody who's been fit their entire life and turns 40. That's not like, you know, Mr. Jones, who's been sedentary his entire life and turns 40. I mean, it's just, it's, all the changes pertain much more to like just life changes, lifestyle, career, family, and how they impact things. Like that's where the real rubber hits the road. So I figured that out and I spent a lot of time learning about that over the last 10 years. And that's kind of like, you know, had I done that about people my age in my twenties, I'd probably be, probably would have done a lot better. I don't know, but you know, just out of interest. Yep. You're, <clears throat> so you, you have been fit your entire life, but if you were to draw a graph uh, of yeah. um, what, how easy it is to maintain low body fat and to gain muscle and to progress in the gym and those kind of things, do you feel like it's been like, is it, is it a linear thing or is it like, is it not related to age at all? Or, or do you feel like it's been kind of like there's been times where it's taken dips? Um. Well, it's interesting how we're so affected by our own lens of how we see ourselves. Like, like when I was a kid, like early teens, you know, because I, I, I was a I was a pretty pretty chubby kid, like young, like elementary school. And then I got into junior high, and and I still always felt like I was kind of chubby. You know, I, I was kind of oh, you know I got to lean out, I got to lean out, and and that kept with me. You know, certainly into university. I mean, I got a lot more like broed out then, but I was always still saw myself as, you know, I gotta, I gotta watch what I eat. Cause I get fat real easy. I'm, I'm fucking carb. What's the word? Carb intolerant. All that shit, you know, all that shit, you know? Um, and I, you know, in, in, in hindsight, when I look back at pictures and even, you know, I was talking to a, a long ago ex-girlfriend and, and she mentioned like, well, you were always so skinny. And, and I was thinking, well, like, what the fuck? Who are you? Who, who are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, me? And then I'll look back at pictures. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I certainly wasn't fat by any stretch of the imagination. I just looked like a normal person. Um, so it's just interesting. I had like that notion that I had about myself kind of affected, certainly cost me a lot of years of training. Like in hindsight, I should be bulking in my 20s. If I wanted to be serious about bodybuilding, if I could go back in time, I would have bulked like a sloppy bulk from like 20 to 23, maintained it till like 24, 25, like just been a big kind of big, fat, disgusting mess, but strong. And then, you know, got all, you know, then kept down to like 27. Fuck, I'd be Mr. Olympia right now. Um, I, I wish I'd done this, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. From the age of 16, right. just eight for 10 years. Eight. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And for, you know, for whatever reason, and actually, no, that's bullshit. I know the reason. I was just... I was kind of like one of those people that I make fun of now. I just always wanted to be leaner, always wanted to be leaner. And I never, even though I read it a million times and had people smarter than me tell me a million times, dude, just get fucking big, hang on to it for a bit. And then, you know, lean out. I never embraced it. And now I try to, co- I try to coach it now. Um, and always with that lens of this is a mistake that I made. Um, but I guess to answer your question, like, I've always been fit. Yeah. Like, cause I always had that insecurity of wanting to be a bit leaner. And so I was always doing my cardio and I was always watching what I eat. And, um, I'd tell people I'm fat and then look at, I'd look at pictures and I just looked like somebody who 
you know, needed a month of eating less shit, you know, so, you know, almost disrespectful to people who are actually heavy, you know? So, yeah. I remember the T nation forums had like oh, the two sides to them. Like you probably, probably like when I mentioned T nation forums, it like comes yeah. up like an emotional reaction in people sometimes. But yeah. I remember there was like this, like people were, were just adamant that no matter who you were, if you were under like oh, 230 God. pounds, you needed to, yeah. you needed to bulk. And then, I think it was Christian Thibodeau put out an article saying like, no one should ever be above 10%. And yeah, it was like, it was all the truth about bulking the article. And then there was just this, like the, the comments in that article were like, no, oh, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Like you can't get big on, on 10% body fat and all that sort of stuff. But we, we definitely had the same thing. Like we spent yeah. our entire twenties basically trying to be too lean. And in yep. doing so, you just completely hamper like the best period of your life that will ever be to build muscle never comes back. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, I loved him. I've known him unimpeachable character, that guy, but I'm sure he, I'm sure that's one of the things he'd like to take back too. I mean, it's just that it's, we had like, especially that 10% rule. And I, I've heard, you know, Tim's Canadian. I'm Canadian. We got that from Paul Quinn, another Canadian. It's kind of like a little like sewing circle up, up North of the border. Um, we have all these hard rules that we follow and then you get to be a little bit older and you realize not only are the rules kind of bullshit, they're, they're just very, they're just, they're just contextual, you know, like the whole, Oh, if you're over 10%, you shouldn't bulk thing. A, the, the body fat equations are all bullshit. I did that full time for five years. Like, it's just like, it's, it's, it's utterly bullshit. Even if you get a DEXA, it's pretty flawed. And that whole 10% rule what it really means is once you're, once you're adding, once you're adding more fat than muscle and you can, and you, I'm sorry, you can feel it. And if not, your coach should be able to spot it. Then you're probably should like, you know, diet down a bit or at least stop aggressively trying to add weight. But we used to have people be like, Oh, if I, if I can't see this part of my abs, I'm too fat and I have to go on this, you know, I have to go low carbs and I have to do this and do that. And, you know, trying to, I call it playing puppet master with your body. Like, oh, I'm going to overeat for three weeks and then I'm going to undereat for two weeks and I'm going to, you know, reset my, what is it? Um, I'm going to restore my insulin sensitivity. <laughs> like all this shit. That, the people, they're not even fucking testing it. That's where I, I start laughing now. <laughs> it's like they're doing all this. Oh, I'm, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to, re- you know, restoring leptin. I think it was another one. Or anyway, it's just absurd. And yeah, we've been fully down that rabbit hole. And yeah. It's embarrassing. <laughs> just how how many yeah. like I remember we, yeah. we were coming home from the gym and me and Johnny would both have a hundred grams of dextrose with <laughs> two hundred milligrams of caffeine and some like hy- yeah. hydrolyzed whey and like, just yeah. and all this like horrible stuff in a in a drink post workout late afternoon because the caffeine yeah. will suppress our insulin sensitivity but it'll yeah, yeah partitioning like what, what are we doing here this is yeah so <laughs> yeah so it sounds like sorry go ahead <laughs> well yeah and, and i think that well you're a little bit younger than me so i i honestly think that you know you're you have less to be ashamed of like like you know but like for me i was old enough that i had a few years not well i'm not quite old enough like like when i was like 16 17 i remember my mom would drop me off at the local hardcore fucking world gym and once or twice a week, I got to go there. And that's when, you know, we're talking like mid eighties. And then I got to see a lot of what get, what get, gets people big in the real world. 
uh, before like all the marketing and supplements and bullshit really messed it up. And, and it was just dudes like lifting big and eating big and, and they were having fun in the gym, but they were working hard. They weren't overthinking things. And not overthinking, you know, it's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. And what's, not overthinking. Yeah. What's more hardcore than having your mum drop you off at the, the hardcore gym <laughs> as well? I mean, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so, so you, you've been through a, um, yeah. like a bit of a metamorphosis. You've worked in like a, a complete yeah. offline PT role. You've been in admin and then editorial roles, and then you've done yeah. hybrid and you've done fully online throughout yeah. this journey with your career, has there been any inflection point or any, any big realizations where you, where you've seen your revenue take a jump or you've seen your reach improve or anything? Um, well, definitely like whenever I worked for somebody else, obviously what I was just, you know, I love my, my teenage job while I had it, but it was just, you know, that was just a salary job. I, I cleaned up articles, you know, I wasn't, you know, you know, I wasn't like, you know, a big contributor or anything. Um, but it's whenever, I really just went all in on me. Like when I had the confidence to, especially when the over 40 thing kind of took off. And, and to be honest, like that wasn't a plan. Like I didn't wake up one day and say, I'm the over 40 guy. It just all of a sudden all my clients were this age. And it just kind of like, I, an expression I heard was like, you know, sometimes you just got to listen to your career. And, um, and I just, kind of realized like, this is kind of my thing, I think, you know, now I got to learn more about it, you know, and, and get good at it. But that's, you know, I, I didn't like, you know, look at my birth certificate and say, oh, okay, I got to go after people this age or I got to, it just kind of, it just kind of happened. And I, then I started to make it happen a lot more. So that's like, I always paid a lot more money when I just put out good content that that catered or not catered that focused on that demo and but the very quickly though like i'm i don't do well like right now i average yeah, probably anywhere from 35 to 50 one-on-one clients a month and for me like once it gets to 50 i could do more i could always do more you know i could always do more but it, it stops it very quickly stops being better and um and of course that that puts the, the governor on my income, what I can earn. Um, so I've looked at other things. Like I, I'm starting to do group training again and, and always have a bunch of half done books, but like one-on-one training that or online training, that's the lion's share of where I make my money. And, um, it's, it's a bit precarious because I look at people that people that I would hire. If I wanted to say, oh, I want to get this, my, I want to get super fucking Jack by the time I'm 50, you know, like really good, like, hire a really good technical coach. Like there's a handful that I would hire all of them. I've noticed their careers. They've gone from zero to very busy to all of a sudden that they work with next to nobody. They've all had that arc and I'm kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Cause that's not good for, that's not good for paying the bills, but they all kind of, they reach a saturation point. They have to pull back. So I'm kind of like trying to not reach that saturation point. Um, so for me, I think it's around 45 clients or so. Once, once it's past that, I'm just not, I don't feel like I'm giving the attention that I should give. Do you think that was a burnout thing for them? Or is it like a service yeah, yeah, quality totally. thing? Right. Uh, it, probably a bit of both, you know, and I think sometimes they, they, they get, they're kind of the same thing. It's just because they, they got to be really good because they're really fucking good. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone wants to hire them. So they raise their rates, but you know, no one, most people aren't total assholes, I find. And so you only raise your rates so much. And, you know, they've all reached, 
just I can't work with any more people. I want to step back and like most have other things on the side that they do for money. But um, with coaching, it's just they reach a kind of a tipping point where I can't or I won't do any more. You know, and then I guess you can if you're I guess you're more business savvy. You you have you know farm out to other coaches and stuff like that. Um, I've done that in the past. I just do I is I do better when I do it myself. Let's put it that way. Um, and that's and the, the the clients obviously appreciate that more too. So it's not you kind of have one mainstay, which is the one to one online coaching, and any inquiries you get through social media, your website, they will kind of go to that one that one product. Yeah, and um, but now I have a, a lower cost group training thing, which uh, which a friend of mine helps me with, and and that's more for people. I think it's a great option. I mean, it's way cheaper, and it's it's just for people. I like not so much for the programming, but if they want to have a, like a coach on retainer, like they don't want you know they just want to have somebody they can ask questions to whenever and get good answers. And I think it's it's great value, you know. Um, but one on one is where I make. Like that's kind of the, the focus of my business. And I just find that, um, yeah, like these people who say, oh, like <laughs> they're, they're just over the weekend, uh, a, a, a coach is making fun of me. He's like, oh, I have so many more clients than this guy. I, I blew past him. And I'm kind of like, like, dude, that's nothing to brag about, man. <laughs> Never want to brag about how many people you got because I've seen your programming and it's pretty cut and paste. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we, like in the early days of doing online coaching, we only did one to one, right up against the same thing. I think yeah. every coach we've spoken to, like I, remember, I think Eric Helms we were chatting to, said his limit was like forty, and he was doing that around oh, doing but, PhD but, and stuff. And oh, he's yeah, using forty two. Yeah, okay, okay. But that's like you know that's like him yeah. sort of you know like, you know yeah. doing it at night and stuff um, around yeah. his other hours. But I think it's you. You have this. You think one to one coaching. You think I'll be able to if I compress it down and I, I'm just do, I just do replies all day. I'll be able to manage a hundred clients a month. And then the reality of that sets in and your inbox starts filling up and you're like, okay, eventually I'm going to forget about a client. I'm going to forget to send a program, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, but the thing is, the thing that's kind of cool or not cool or disturbing is that we always can make it work. Like if, if whatever, if I had another kid pop up and my wife quit working and I needed to make more money, could I do 70 a month? Could I do 80? I'm sure I could. I'd fucking find a way um, until I couldn't. You know what I mean? You know, into, mm-hmm. until until all of a sudden, because I right now I'm, I'm, I don't have a lot of churn. I'm, I'm rarely like hungry to get people because a lot of people don't drop out much, which is what I love. It's great. But when someone has lots of clients, I'm always kind of thinking, you probably have lots of churn. And, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I just, this is not what I want. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. We've, we found our kind of sanity threshold is probably 25. I think once yeah. we start to go beyond that, but maybe because of the other things that we're kind of trying to juggle, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. beyond that, we start to just, you know, you get a new client, you get, you sleep an hour less, you get a new client, yeah. you, you know, <laughs> you, you have to sacrifice like a gym session and, and it starts to yeah. really impact on your life. And that was kind of before we discovered well, before we started really focusing on leveraged coaching and info products, mm-hmm. which I think yeah, yeah. in terms of scalability has been much yeah. better for our lifestyles for sure. Um, is there anything that you'd recommend? Cause I'm conscious of your time, Brian, that for people who are starting, let's say you've got a PT who wants to dip their toe into online coaching. 
how would you recommend that they get started with it? Well, I probably, when I, when I give you my quick story here, it'll probably be like, you've heard it a million times. Like I started with just putting stuff up on, on, on Facebook when, especially back when Facebook seemed to be a little bit more engaging or positive and, you know, and mentioning, you know, put, just putting up good, helpful content, you know, just whatever. And eventually adding a tagline, Oh, I'm doing online coaching. And I think I, after six months of that, I had one client and just, and I, well, didn't buy a bunch of systems. I just coached them, you know, emails back and forth. Here's your, here's your Google doc kind of thing. Um, but then I found it, it goes up exponentially. Like you'll have one forever and then you'll have two and then you have four, then you have eight, then 16. And then like, I think when I was at 20, I had the conversation with my wife, like, you know, I should really kind of go in on all this, you know, and kind of cut back on whatever else I'm trying to do. And you know, and then here you go. Then all of a sudden you're the, you get the problem we we're discussing before. Like when you put a governor on it and look at doing other things and, you know, the, the stuff you mentioned, like info products is, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I'll be, I'll be bugging you about that. I've, I've always, I've always got a bunch of half baked ideas that I just don't have the time to finish. And, and that's, that's what they're ideal for us. Just when you're kind of capped training, but to answer your question, if I was new, I wouldn't try to force growth that much. Um, I would just get really fucking good. If I had two people, I'd be really fucking good. And then I'd just, you know, I know that sounds like a, a stupid thing to say. You always want to make more money, but. Well, no, it's it's funny because it, that is such a common thread that we see with. Uh, so we spoke to Mike Isratel a few weeks ago and he said the same thing. He was like, yes, you've got to market yourself and so on. Because otherwise, if you're really good and you, and you don't, no one's going to know who you are. But it has to be at the core of your work is just delivering a good result because yeah. people often lose sight of that and they're focusing on all the funnels and stuff and they, and if they can't oh, yeah. get a client lean and they can't you know get get yeah. results for the client then that needs to be step one and then exactly as you said then you start to gain the snowball yeah like it's just like i don't know like everyone everyone has successes and they love to tell you about them but everyone also has failures and you know i've you know, I can I can think of most of my successes, I think, but I sure as fuck can think of all of my failures, and I think I think about them every fucking day. Pardon my language, and and I just and they're mistakes that I made, just you know, just as I was getting just working with more people and more different, you know, f- you know, figuring shit out, and um, and I'm always kind of keep that in the back of my mind. Like I don't want to have, I want all my failures to be from in the past. I don't want to. I'm sure I'll still have them <laughs> as I move forward, but I want them to be rare. Yeah, yeah, Min- yeah. Minimize failures is the is a good way to good way of looking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this whole trend. Oh, I fired the client, and I'm like, well, yes. Sometimes we all get got people who just can't commit, or they just whatever. But a lot of the time, is like you you just weren't a good fit for them. Like you just didn't deliver the product that they needed. And someone's you know, firing the clients every day then it's very much like you're on a first date with a girl who's like talking about all of her ex-boyfriends being absolute yeah. psychopath yeah. bastards. And you're like, hang on, do you yeah. think possibly? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like I found that whenever I'm in the mindset where I think everyone around me is an asshole, it's probably I'm the asshole. So, so um, but yeah, no, I'm just, yeah, I just, you, don't, you, you just, people want to grow too fast. And I just think that, I think this job is hard. That's what I'm getting at. I think 
being a really good, especially an online coach, being a really good one, covering all the bases and knowing what bases that person needs to have covered more. It's hard. And, you know, getting them to give you the right amount of communication, it's hard. So I don't know why anyone would think that they could just sprint into this. Like, I mean, good, good luck. <laughs> yeah. We watched a video like we're back when we were starting doing this stuff, like about when we we're about to, to just start doing full time. Watched a video by Jim Wendler on yeah. like the path to launch five three one, and the thing yeah. that stuck with me from watching that video was how much he emphasised like don't just don't just start doing this for making money because you just make bad decisions. You do things for the sake of making money at the cost of like serving clients and putting mm-hmm. out a better product and like. 531's done all right. Like quite a lot of people have heard 531. So like it was just, it was interesting to hear him talk about like how long he spent testing the progressions and the program and how many iterations and editions there were of 531 before he released one ebook, you know? Yeah. And then people are like rushing to become famous online coaches having never worked with anyone before. So, yeah. 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 It's a, he's a common mistake. Yeah. And he's a great example of that. Like that's someone who, I mean, tons of time under the bar there. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. Strong. And, uh, yeah. And that product got ripped off so many times. I mean, however much he's made on it, he could have made twice as much if people were not constantly pirating it. And, uh, I know. So, yeah. yeah. I've heard, I've heard him talk about that so many times about how many like <laughs> instances he's had of like trying to take down pirate copies of it. So like, man, it just must be everywhere. It just must be. But you Google 531, I imagine a lot of the links are just pirated links. Yeah. Uh, although, although, although now that's been at least, what, 10 years for that book, at least. Mm. Um, so now he's probably at a point where he probably doesn't really care because it's like, it's still getting, it's still getting his message out there. I'm, well, yeah. I'm, sure he, I'm sure he cares, but like, it's, just, it's not as much of a kick to the balls now. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. it's now more just like a, a kick to the knee. So. Well, unless it's a, it's a deliberate, like Tim Ferriss strategy where he deliberately leaked his four-hour chef book um, so yeah. that it created this kind of mystique of like, oh, God, it's been leaked. We're going to download it. And, and then it was like the first couple of chapters. And like, oh, hey, if you want to uh, get the full thing. That's then... done so well, hasn't it? Yeah. Like so many oh. people you speak to in the strength game have, have done 531. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's yeah. just a, it just kind of created the, the framework for the, for the ebook, really. It's just like a good standalone product. I mean, it's, yeah. Um, I don't know if there'll ever be another one that'll, you know, well, there'll be something that'll do that well, but it won't be like that. Like that's kind of like the the chapter and verse of, of that product. The, the the only one that I think could have been, and he's still done decently with it, but Martin Burkan and the Lean Gains method. Because oh yeah, when he when he launched it, it was just like a free page on a on a free blog post, and mm-hmm. he was like, oh, "I'm going to release a book soon. I'm going to release a book." Mm-hmm. And then a decade later, he didn't release a book, and loads of other people ripped off his idea. And then mm-hmm. he released one like two years ago or something with Alan Aragon as the as the forward just a week before all of the sexual oh, no. harassment stuff yeah. kicked off. And it was like, it's oh, Martin, time. like your timing. If you'd just done all of this like four years before, you would have cleaned yeah. up the dying yeah. industry. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. I, the other one I think of is um, I still get, when people ask me about like really low volume rest pause training, um, you know, dog crap training, I, I I still send people that link to that that one blog post was called Cycles for Pennies. And anyone who's like followed Dante and Dog Crap, it's like a fifteen year old blog post 
I've read it. And it's all yeah about yeah. how to set up how to set up this this program. And I just think it's funny like that like that blog post is could have made him so much money. If he just like I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. For Dante doesn't care. He's made the done very well for himself. But it's just yeah, there are a handful of things that that just are just standalone you know, kind of touchstone things in our industry that change the game. And there's a lot of shit too, though. <laughs> yeah. Like truly sort of innovative yeah. frameworks, I guess, weren't they? Like ways of organizing tra- yeah. like thoughts around training, like five, three, one was like that. Like it's just barbell yeah. progression, very simple progression, yeah. but it was a really neatly yeah. organized dog crap yeah. was just high intensity training, but gave yeah. it a name, gave it like a gave way it- of thinking about it. Yeah. yeah and, the, and there's always there's a system you know what i mean it's yeah. like there's people love systems um so and and unfortunately when you start actually coaching you have to always leave the system depending on the individual or at least modify it but that's that's the difference between coaching and books so you know books are 20 bucks or 50 bucks and you know that coaching's a lot more so i'd like to know how many pts have put a client through a like dog crap style widow maker in a, in a commercial gym. <laughs> that is, uh, well, I just think that's yeah. the hardest thing you could do in the gym. It's awful. It's, it's funny you say that because I've been in this stupid boot. I haven't squatted in so long and I would give anything, I say this now, to be able to do like one, like that one set of 20, like to have that feeling again. Like Man. just, yeah. I'm sure I'd regret it the, as soon as I said it. but Immediately. Uh, I think on rep 10, <laughs> you'd regret it on rep 10. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you've got raspberry flavored whey like spilling down your, your front <laughs> and you're like oh this is grim brian how can we find out more about you well uh well you can find me on linkedin <laughs> well yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you need a cell phone <laughs> uh no man you can um uh my my website is briancron.com b-r-y-a-n-k-r-a-h-n dot com and i'm on facebook and sort of on instagram i'm figuring that out but uh, well, i'm following you on twitter as well i don't know how active you are kind of on on twitter right now oh, i've seen a lot of stuff coming up recently but didn't know if it was scheduled uh, no no i that's it's funny my system is, is i get up in the morning and i drink way too much coffee and i start firing stuff on twitter and i just and then i fire that onto instagram that's my little like system um Unfortunately, sometimes some of the stuff I fire out there, I probably shouldn't fire out there, but whatever, I don't care. But I think Twitter's great to like refine your thoughts, though, isn't it? And yeah, and actually, like you're, as we said at the start, you're very good at distilling um, complex information into into that. Like even your tagline, "Muscle solves problems." Like yeah. there's so much in there that you, you know, there's art- articles worth of of stuff to tease out of that sentence. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I've always found Twitter good for that too. I guess the character limit, it just forces you to be concise and, uh, you know, yeah, it is kind of a good tool in that respect. Like, I don't know if it's, if it's built my business one iota. I, I don't, you know, hopefully it has, I don't know, but I just find it that, that little, that little edge to it that, okay, I got to keep this punchy and get the most across. I don't want to do like 10 tweets of the same thing. I want to get it all out there. Um, it does kind of, yeah, it does force, force, force you to distill in a way that, you know, because nothing's worse than like a long Facebook post. You know, I, I, just, I just quit reading them, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it, it's yeah. clever as well. I think 
maybe it's by design, maybe not, but when you have to make something punchy, you have to get rid of nuance and you have to make yeah. it polarizing. And as a result, mm. people get outraged and people will comment and, <laughs> and interact with you. So it kind of generates mm. its own activity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do, I, I do grow wary of when the outrage is from my colleagues. I, I much prefer it when it's from like someone who might eventually buy from me or want to learn from me or something. It's always some, some, somebody I fucking work with in some way. It's like, dude, <laughs> I don't have time for you. It's like, but it's like fucking phone me. <laughs> like, I think you should just man, start like, replying to all the tweets with phone me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. I, I, again, I had that over the weekend. Somebody got all just butthurt over something I said. And I'm like, fuck dude, I've known you 10 years. Call me. <laughs> like, like, I, mean, it's just, I don't know. Anyway, I think sometimes, yeah, we, we blur the lines between, this is a business tool. This is like a marketing tool. This isn't my life. But I, I had someone come up to me the other day who's a, yeah, I've known for 15 years. And she was like, Yusuf, are you, are you angry? You seem really angry at the minute. And I'm like, what, what makes you say that? She was like, your Twitter is really angry. I'm like, no, no, that's just, we've got 280 characters. Like it's not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not angry. I just have to keep yeah. the, keep it concise. <laughs> so this is, this is social media, man. It's, it's sort of real life, but not quite real life. Like let's, you know, anyway, but yeah. Well, Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for chatting to us. And we'll stick all the yeah, links um, in the description below. Yeah, thanks very much. It was great. Anytime. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.